Your next promotion is just the beginning, and this podcast shows you how to get there. Welcome to episode number 171. Today's episode is all about bias, conscious and unconscious. And as you've probably thought about bias in the past, it's really important to educate those around us who have that bias to bring it from the unconscious to the conscious. So we obviously don't want people operating from a biased perspective if they literally have no idea that they're doing it. And as leaders, we spend a lot of time thinking about how we can educate those around us so that they can be more aware of their bias. But in today's episode, I'm taking that to another level, which is how do we educate ourselves and our own behaviors when it comes to bias? So for so many people, they either shut down or they get very frustrated with themselves when they start to recognize bias that's happening around them, and they don't even know how they can respond to this bias. So in today's episode, I give you corporate badass ways that you can not only only notice the bias as soon as it exists for you, but also do something different about it. Let's get started. Welcome to Women Changing Leadership. I am your host, Stacey Mayer, and I teach you how to get promoted, get paid, and bring your whole self to the leadership table. I am on a mission to change organizations from the C-suite out. Because women are the new face of leadership, and we are doing it on our terms. Hello, corporate badasses. Welcome to another episode of Women Changing Leadership. I am your host, Stacey Mayer, and super excited, as always, to be here with you again this week. As you know, I used to be an actress for over 20 years. Maybe you don't know that, but you do now. And I love being in front of the microphone, in front of the camera. I love being live on stage. And something that I joke with inside of Executive Ahead of Time with my corporate badasses is about how much I enjoy listening to my own podcast episodes, because many of them say they couldn't be caught (laughs) listening to their own voice or replaying an interview or something like that that they had in the past. It would drive them crazy. But I, on the other hand, take a lot of satisfaction in that. And the reason why I'm sharing that with you today is because I went back and I listened to my interview with Jennifer Fisher And I was absolutely overwhelmed with pride, with gratitude, with hope for the future for women and leadership, and really just used that time to go back and listen to that episode as a reminder of how impactful this work is that we're doing. And I want to use that reminder as we enter into today's episode where I'm talking about bias in the workplace, in particular for women, and some of the ways that we can stop worrying about it. And that can be a really touchy subject as we start to think about becoming an activist, becoming a role model, becoming a woman who is changing leadership. It's really important to ground ourselves in reality and the situation and what's actually happening for us on the ground level. And when I listened to the interview that I did last week, and definitely go back and listen to that after this episode, 
I'm really reminded of the power that one human being can have on their leadership table, on their organization, and how that can continuously ripple and ripple and ripple. And we don't have to be an activist on a giant public stage. We can literally just become a more powerful, more authentic leader right where we're at and affect so many lives as a result. So I want to encourage you to keep going if you feel frustrated you stepping into a higher level leadership position matters. And if you're inspired by last week's episode, I also invite you to join me on my executive path. You get a lot out of listening to this podcast. I literally do not hold anything back. But when when you join us inside of executive ahead of time, you get an even deeper understanding and embodiment of what it truly means to become that powerful executive leader. And then as you saw showcased so beautifully in last week's episode, as women continue with me inside of the leadership table and on into the boardroom, we're really elevating that to the 10th degree. We're not only stepping into those executive leadership positions, but we're becoming a better, more powerful executive leader. We're able to make an even bigger impact through both being an excellent executive, and I never skip over anything that we're learning by becoming a better at your job, better executive leader, but also as a thought leader, as a change maker in your industry, and learning to do that through one simple conversation or panel discussion or article that you write, or in Jennifer's case, starting your own podcast, right? Whatever that might be for you, we learn throughout my executive leadership path, I will teach you, I will guide you, I will coach you to be the biggest, most corporate badass version of you. And it's an incredible process. And I'm humbled every single day that I'm able to be your guide in this journey. So thank you so much for listening. You are on the executive path with me. And if you want to go deeper, go to stacymayer.com slash apply and get on the phone with me so that I can point you in the right directions and find the program and the best fit that is perfect for you and your unique leadership skills. I can't wait. So good. So good. So a lot of what's been coming up for us inside of Executive Ahead of Time is this idea of education around gender bias. And you've experienced bias before in the workplace, hands down. Even if you're a man, you've experienced bias in the workplace. Bias exists. And I first really started studying bias in the form of unconscious bias. And one of the things that stood out to me in the trainings that I did very early on in my executive coaching career was around the fact that it was unconscious, right? That it's not something that we're generally aware of and that it's not necessarily a problem, right? So it doesn't make us a bad person to say that we have bias, It is simply a tool for recognizing and noticing and then choosing to do something differently. So as a person who has bias towards other people, that choice makes a lot of sense. But there is another side of this, which is as the receiver of either conscious or unconscious bias, we have a choice on how we're going to react to it as well. In today's episode, I really want to normalize bias 
and remind you how prevalent it is so that you can hopefully make a better choice around it. Let me give you the first example that inspired this episode. It actually came from several different women sharing inside of Executive Ahead of Time that they are often told that they are too busy, that they are overwhelmed, that they should cut back, that they should prioritize. And what they're noticing is this isn't coming from them being frustrated. So you could sort of see where that kind of feedback would make a lot of sense. Let's say if you were showing up at work very frustrated all the time and complaining and you're like, you can tell when somebody's really stressed out and you're just like, oh my God, you need to take a nap. You need to take a break. You're about to go into burnout. But that's not the case for these women. They weren't experienced burnout. They weren't experienced stress. What they were experiencing was called passion, (laughs) was called excitement, was called enthusiasm. And for a lot of women, when they experience that level of passion, enthusiasm, excitement at work, it is incredibly intimidating to other, especially men in the workplace. So when they see you get quote unquote worked up about something, like you're you're talking at a very rapid rate, you know, I've had some women even cry in front of other individuals from this place of passion, from this level of vulnerability. I've had women who have shared with their boss, you know, something incredibly vulnerable that had nothing to do with work. They weren't asking for help. They were just genuinely sharing about challenges that they might have been facing at home or in their personal life. Like this is what women do. We share, we communicate, we love to connect with other individuals. The problem from a gender bias perspective is the receiver of that information instantly wants to take care of us. And so I have been coaching my women to really recognize that the reason that their bosses are telling them to slow down, to take less work on, that they need a break, that they just need a vacation, that they need to avoid burnout is because of that desire to take care of them. It's a motherly desire that people, other individuals, when they see women in what they perceive to be distress, they want to take care of them. And I noticed that when I called this gender bias to my corporate badasses, there was this amount of like, oh, that's what's happening. Okay, I can see now. Huh. That makes so much more sense. And now that they have that level of awareness, they can do something different. So what was happening for them is they wanted to make sure they were like, why does this person think that I'm burned out? Why do they think I'm stressed? Maybe I am stressed, right? And then they start to doubt themselves and they don't know how to respond. And I was like, well, if it's a gender bias issue and they're just trying to take care of you, perhaps you need to let them know that they don't need to take care of you. And by that, I didn't mean like, you don't need to take care of me. I can take care of myself. No, none of that. But more so just returning to that other person and letting them know that you were in fact passionate 
that's why you got worked up when you were in that conversation, that you feel very excited about the possibility that you're looking forward to the future, that you can't wait to dig your teeth in on this project, that you were simply sharing about your personal life from a a desire for more connection, not because anything was wrong. I mean, sometimes with my husband, even when I'm sharing something with him, I have to say to him, hey, I don't want any help. I don't want you to fix this. I'm literally just sharing it with you, right? And as leaders, when we can start to recognize that gender bias exists and we can begin to share things with other people, then we can get over this bias. We start to bring it from the unconscious to the conscious, both for the receiver and also for ourselves. And so that we can actively do something different about it, right? Instead of staying in that level of frustration. This happens all the time for mothers. So a lot of women, rightfully so, will have pictures, and I do too, have pictures of the children behind their desk, like showing themselves and their family and their home life. And a really big bias that I see is the other men at their organization, their male leaders, start to want to take care of them. They want to you know, be like, oh, go home early, you know, or like think unconsciously. They don't really want a promotion. They have other priorities at hand. And if we think of unconscious bias or bias in general as not being a problem and just simply recognizing it for what it is, then we say, oh, you know what? I am going to experience a lot more bias as a mother, as a new mother, at the workplace, and I need to overly communicate to those people around me that I do, in fact, want a promotion, that I do want more responsibility in the right ways, that I do want to be included in that meeting, that I do have expectations for my team, that I do desire traveling, if that's what you desire, whatever it might be that you desire. And if you know that bias exists, then you're more willing to put your face forward, to actually show up and to say, hey, this is what's going on here. You know, I just had a child, so it makes a lot of sense that you would want to not include me in the meeting, but I want you to know that I'm available, that I want to be included in the meeting, that I have an expectation to be included in these meetings. You see where I'm going here? Once we can recognize that the bias exists, then we can actually do something about it. Another type of bias that exists in the workplace is based on status. So a lot of people get really, really frustrated when they start showing up as the executive ahead of time, but their title hasn't matched up with that. And you can be frustrated. It makes a lot of sense. You're like, I'm doing the work of a a senior vice president, but I'm not getting paid and I don't have the title and the authority of a senior vice president, right? So that makes sense in in some ways to be frustrated at that. But the other problem that it poses for people when their title and their status, so to speak, doesn't match how they're being treated is that in their minds, their self-concept, how they see themselves, how they start communicating at that executive level In their minds, they are are understanding how to act, how to communicate as a senior director or a VP instead of the current title that they have. They're starting to be included in conversations. Perhaps their boss actually sees them and treats them as a senior director. They're having much higher level conversations out of the weeds and really enjoying their job, but their title hasn't matched up with that yet. Now, the big problem here is how 
every now and then you're going to receive a certain level of bias from someone else at your organization. Like it could actually be your boss. It could be a peer. It could be your CEO, somebody that you haven't developed this higher level relationship with and somebody who quite simply sees you as the status that you have, right? They, they just see you as a director. They don't see you as a VP. Maybe your boss sees you as a VP, but because your title says that you're a director and you're being included in the conversations as a director, they get incredibly confused when you start to speak about something at a much higher level. And when you start to engage in problem solving at that, that executive level mindset, right? And they're going to get very confused. And from a bias perspective, they're going to pull you back down really, really quickly. So a lot of my corporate badasses will get treated like their title. So they'll get treated like they are in the weeds, that they have deliverables, right? That why didn't you, you know, why didn't you come to me? Where's that spreadsheet? And you're like, wait, I already talked to my boss about this. I'm not doing spreadsheets anymore. I already delegated that to this person on my team. But yet here you are wondering why I'm not in the weeds all the time. And that's because the way other people know you is as a person who is in the weeds, as a person who is a subject matter expert. But you're wanting to be seen more as an executive leader. And so some people are going to start seeing you that way. You're going to start seeing you that yourself that way. And then there's this bias that's still going to exist that's based on your title. And so what I'll, whenever I see this and I hear somebody complaining in this way, like, why does that person always come to me for this? I haven't been doing that job for six months. I haven't been, you know, I, they, I am not the go-to person for that. Why do they keep bothering me with this? I call it for what it is, which is I tell the person, my client, I tell them, hey, that's bias. They're treating you as your title. That's it. They're simply treating you as a senior manager and not a senior director, right? And you have elevated your persona. You have elevated your conversations with some of the people around you, but not all of the people. And there are going to be certain individuals at your company that are going to continue to treat you as a senior manager, as a person who did the job that you used to do. And until your title matches up, like, so you have a leg to stand on. Let's say you actually get promoted. You're, you can literally just say to them, hey, that's not my job anymore, right? That's, I, I gave that away, right? That seems easier when your title matches. But if your title is still lagging behind, then you're going to have to educate people as to why you no longer solve that problem. So you have to come up with a way of communicating to them that's not a problem at all, right? It's not a problem that you have to communicate over and over and over again that you're no longer working on that project right? Because your title hasn't matched up to it. And so every other senior manager who works with you is working on these types of projects, but you're, you haven't, right? You're not anymore because you've elevated to the next level. So you have to find a way to communicate to them. And you just have to really own the fact that you're going to have to keep repeating that, reminding people that you no longer do that, reminding people, pointing people in the right direction, right? Offering them resources that don't involve you actually doing or completing the project. But again, none of this is really a problem, right? And when you start to make it a problem and you get so frustrated and you're like, why can't they just see? 
then you're not able to get your work done either. You're not able to continue to stay and to act at that higher level. Another solution to this problem is you could go to your boss and you could be like, oh, you know, because I'm not a senior director yet, people are still treating me like a senior manager. That's a problem. I think I need a promotion. right? Like that is an opening to a promotion conversation. And it's one of the biggest reasons that promotions really do matter, that titles really do matter. The third example of this that I want to leave you with today is the concept of double bind dilemma. And we've heard this concept before. Uh, Sheryl Sandberg talks about it in detail in her book, LinkedIn. And basically, the long and short of it is, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? We're always told to speak up as women, that we need to insert ourselves, that we need to engage in the conversation, that we need to be louder, more forceful with our ideas. And sometimes we're given this feedback, you know, from our direct bosses, right? Like, you need to speak up in these meetings more. You need to offer, you know, solutions and you need to engage in conversation. And then as soon as we do, we're called bitchy. We're too aggressive. We need to set our sights lower. Maybe we shouldn't ask for so much, right? And so women in particular, from a bias perspective, experience both sides of that coin. Now, if we know that bias exists and we anticipate that bias exists and we we don't really spend a ton of time being so pissed off that bias exists and how awful it is. And isn't that unfair that women have to, and I'll hear this all the time. And I'm like, why are we still having that conversation? Why are we still talking about how unfair it is for women that we have this double bind dilemma? And why don't we start focusing on the solution? Why don't we start looking ahead and figure out what are you going to say to overcome this bias, right? To overcome this double bind dilemma. And one of the ways that we can begin to uh, overcome this is to acknowledge that it exists in the first place. So I want you to look at your own career, your own executive presence, your own ability to both speak up and then sometimes be called too assertive and just like freaking own it. Be like, where are some ways that I overstep and where are some ways where I don't speak up enough And then just kind of play around with it and say, oh, how can I engage in conversation in this meeting in a way that actually allows other people to listen to me, right? So that I both, one, can speak up, but then two, I actually get my voice heard. People want to listen to me. And I have lots of solutions for this, one of them being 15-minute ally meetings that you can learn a lot more about on this podcast and my upcoming book as well. But In this process, we're building one-to-one relationships. So we're building that trust within ourselves, that trust within other individuals so that we can start to communicate in this bigger way and that we can start to share our passionate, more enthusiastic ideas and not be pigeonholed into a corner as either being too aggressive or burned out or whatever else might might be called because we are a woman, because a bias does exist. So today's episode, I really just wanted you to notice the different ways that bias exists in the workplace, to acknowledge that, first of all, 100% just for yourself. This doesn't mean that we're going to go start calling everybody out or calling HR. You know, in certain instances, we absolutely should. But in a lot of instances, we just need to check in with ourselves 
and say, how do I want to pivot my behavior so that I can really get that voice at the table? How do I want to engage in conversations around this bias, acknowledging like, you know, I know I just had a child and this is why I still want to do this project. This is how I'm going to be successful at this project. Yes, as mothers, we shouldn't have to explain ourselves. Yes, as women, we shouldn't be treated in a motherly way. We should be treated as equals. We should be treated as another leader at our organization. Yes, when we speak up in the same tone of voice that a man speaks up in a meeting, yet we're pigeonholed as being too aggressive or even a bitch or whatever that might be, we shouldn't have to deal with that. But in truth, bias does exist. It especially exists when we work in an environment where people don't look, think, act, and communicate like us. So we have to do something different. And I have a lot of tools for that something different. What we can start to do to put ourselves in a position of influence and power so that we can start to lift other people up at our organizations so that we can be the change that we wish we saw around us. That is within your power. And I am so excited to help you get there. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.